Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Bob, and I am a man. And you know why I need to say this? I forgot to mention this earlier, but it bothers me. But as if we didn't know that. Well, well, okay, so maybe the video people obviously know it because they see my masculine goatee. But I perpetually... On the phone. I mean, I have. I wrote a song about a joke. I said on the phone. They often think that I'm a girl, but it still happens. And so I had, I had to get insurance, and I called an insurance place, and I'm having a conversation. And, you know, I say my name is Robert Rice, and like a little bit in the conversation, he says, "So, ma'am, what are you look?" And I was just like, "Well, actually, I'm a guy." but I have a high tenor voice. I don't know why I feel like I need to like give them an out. Like, it's okay, it's okay. I know I have a high voice, you know, because they always feel bad. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But this was like a half hour conversation. So like later on, he was like, so ma'am, um, do you think you want to go with our company? And I was like, okay. Not anymore, not, I don't. Not, not a ma'am. I was I'm a sir. I'm a mister. She, he goes, oh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Because this is another guy, right? Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, fine. But then like at the end, he's like, well, ma'am, it was really wonderful to work with you. And I went, bro. I'm not a girl. That, wow. And wow. I don't think, I mean, I kind of, jo- I know I have like a higher register. So I, anybody listening that's been wondering. Yeah, who's this gal <laughs> that, that Father Dave? Who's, who's this woman with a husky voice on the show? Um, I'm a real boy. That's all I wanted that's, to say. Wow. And I don't know why I thought of that as we started. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Do you feel better? I really feel like this was This, this just happened cathartic. a couple days ago. And I was thinking, well, because I'm speaking into the mic and I think people are listening to me. They are. That's and now, like, I've noticed ever since I've been on the phone since that happened, I'm like, just, uh, hello, hello, uh, hello. How are you I'm, doing? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Bob. I'm Regis Martin. Hi. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, yes, you are. Yes, yes, you are a man. And, Thank you. And Thank you. I needed affirmation. There you go. Thank there you me. go. This has been excellent. I'm a man. Anything else going yes, on that you need to kind of chat about? Cavs are doing, uh, Cavs are, have made the play-in tournament, um, if you're familiar with the play-in yep. tournament. Uh-huh. And I don't know how I feel about the play-in tournament. For those listening, the play-in tournament um, was something the NBA started last season. It used to be if you're in the top eight teams in your conference, you just went to the playoffs, but then they decided to do this fun thing where the ninth and 10th team get to play uh, to have a chance to get in, and then the 7th and 8th team play. And if you lose the 7th and 8th team game, you play the winner of the ninth and 10th team, and all of that becomes your 8th seed. It's a little okay. bit confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of extends the season a bit. It makes it more exciting at the bottom of sure. the table. Sure, people, more people paying attention. And I like the idea generally, unless, of course, your team is the eighth-ranked team, which the Cavs are, and in every other season except for last season, they would have been in the playoffs, and now, now they're, they're facing in. Yeah. one of two single elimination games. Yeah. They have to win one of their next two games. All right. It's okay. It is okay, and it's all about money. I mean, they added— Sports? Yeah, yeah. Well, the extra playoff games. Oh, and, yeah, of course. I mean, they're kind of fun. They're kind of exciting. They actually, with the new— uh, since the lockout of baseball, they had that one game play-in game. Oh, and I, by the way, and they stopped that baseball. Yeah, it started. I referred to it as a strike, no, which it made it seem as though I was blaming the players, but it was in it was fact a, a lockout. And I had actually found out about that this week. Okay, I believe that's what I had stated. I'm sure you did. Be that as I'm it sure may. You did. Be that as it may. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so baseball has started, but they did. Yeah, they changed it a little bit with the new rules. They changed it, new D, uh, DH and all the leagues and. 
But baseball started, the Nationals have only won once, which is not... Out of how many times? I think they played four games. One They've of already them played four out. games? Yeah, one of them got rained. They play every day. One of them, maybe, maybe really? they've even played five. They had one or two rainouts, I'm not positive. When I was at the Cavs game on Sunday, they uh, had a big sign, like five days till opening day. But maybe the, the sign was outdated? No, um, it would be the first game that they're playing in Guardians Stadium. Ooh. So their first well, game... Well, still progressive field. I oh, think. it is? Okay, okay. Yeah. I think their first game is on Good Friday. There oh. is a moral dilemma there. Does one, I'm not, I would never go to a game on Good Friday. Of course not. But unless s- unless you got box seats. But Saturday afternoon? Mm, what do you think? Totally. Okay. All right. That settles that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless it made you miss the vigil. No, which it would, probably it would, would, right? It would, no, I'm, I'm, it wouldn't miss the vigil. But I'm... I'm not going to, but here's the thing though. Here's what I would not do. I wouldn't go to a baseball game and then be like, Oh, I can't sit through the vigil. It's too long. No, I would not at do that. that point, you're that's a, a problem. Yeah. 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 These are, these are issues. Here was an, uh, an issue that this could should be, we, should we institute, institute at Franciscan, maybe the seventh reading stretch. Yeah, during yeah, the vigil? Take a break. That's not yeah. a bad idea. Just you know, after take like, take me out to the, the vigil. vigil. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we were talking about appropriateness of going to a baseball game on Holy Saturday. Yes. What about, this was an issue that was discussed amongst many people. Ooh. When they went to the movie, The Passion of the Christ, could you have a soda during that? Yeah, no. Popcorn? No, no nothing like just that. Just too weird. Okay. And actually, when I went to The Passion of the Christ, there was some dude with like a Kit Kat bar, and it was Me just, too, yeah. like there's something about like, oh, that looks like that yeah, hurts. Yeah, 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 yeah. All you right, know, it's all just right, kind all of right. a strain. Why, did you? Yeah. No, no. I don't know. If, you know, I've only seen it once. The Passion of the Christ? Yeah. Yeah. Now, alcohol would be a totally different thing. Yeah, I only saw. I don't think they had the nicer movie theaters. Back yeah, then. I only saw it once. It was, it was, yeah, something I was glad I saw, but never had a real desire. You know to what see I it. got um, on Blu-ray? They did like the penultimate edition, but mm-hmm. they had a PG thirteen version of it. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, in some ways, it's um, it's almost like Hitchcockian in the way that Hitchcock never showed the violence, but you felt it. Yeah. Almost yeah, yeah. more so yeah. because. And um, I love the PG-13 version because you feel the pain of it without, in my impression, kind of the, the gross-outness of it. I felt like, um, you know, I mean, Mel Gibson clearly loves violence in yeah. movies. And um, I mean, and I, 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 I remember... And it was violent, but... I, I remember actually when I first time watched the movie, I mean, obviously the, the violence was there and it was a violent event. So on one hand, you're like, yeah, okay, that's pretty violent. But the, the thing that got me was after Jesus died and the, the bad thief is mocking Jesus and, like, the, the crow comes and, like, yeah. eats his eye out. And I remember sitting there being like, oh, come on! You know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's not in the Bible and that's just unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I'm already feeling bad about what just happened. So Yeah. Um, Actually, one of the friars, <clears throat> in it, you know, obviously it's fine. He chose not to go to it. He didn't want kind of Hollywood's version yeah. implanted because— I mean, if you see it, you see it, and, and you can't right. just kind of get that out. And I, I kind of respected that. I mean, there were some people that felt he had this moral obligation to go yeah, to the movie. Yeah, people and, got a little crazy about this is the greatest yeah. thing. You know, it's interesting. I do a class um, where uh, one of my youth ministry classes, one of the assignments is they have to talk about the cross, uh-huh. and you know, have to you know like talk to young people about what the cross means. And I'm always encouraging them to use visuals. But in that, I say you cannot use a film clip from the passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah. And part of it is because it's a very, I mean, the visual is so powerful, but if they don't know who Jesus is, the visual doesn't mean anything. You know, it's, and and I think there's so many other layers of suffering 
such as the emotional betrayal. Yeah. Um, there's just so much to that. And you're right. I, when I, when I, especially as you're coming into the faith, when they think of Jesus, I don't want them to think of Jim Caviezel. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Um, now that being said, I watch the passion every good Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch it with our kids. I, it's a gorgeous movie. And I think for those of us that have faith, it's a beautiful, it's a passion play. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. meditation on, you know, the suffering that Jesus did for us. But I would also not, you know, make it Catholic dogma. Right, you know, right, that right. One right, must right, watch. Right, right. This and, is, this and, is exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the other, and this is kind of, we weren't exactly going to chat with that. We we're going to go there during Triduum, oh, our right. discussion on Triduum. Be that as it may, the new Supreme Court justice, we haven't really chatted much about oh, that. Oh, yeah, right. She just got voted on Friday, I believe, and she okay. was approved. So the first African-American woman hmm. uh, to the Supreme Court justice. It was one of the things Biden said from day one was that he was going to uh, nominate a Supreme Court justice woman. Uh, Who was African-American specifically? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. Katani Brown-Jackson. Where's she from? She's from the South. I want to say maybe Atlanta. I didn't follow it too much just because it seemed as though, I mean, sadly, you know, you looked at like Kavanaugh and that just blew up. I mean, like there didn't seem to be a lot of like scandal or craziness with it. Yeah, there wasn't as much, I suppose. Um, You know, it's one of the things that I just, first off, that process has become so profoundly, unbelievably political. It's yeah, it's, it's just kind of a foregone conclusion. Who would want to go through that? Right. Yeah. And it's you know I think actually three Republicans voted for her. Yeah. Um, and and this was interesting. I didn't remember that no Democrats voted for uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Oh, I didn't. I know that. think that's what they said, which was pretty crazy. But one of the things that was interesting, uh, first off, it, it's quite a story. I mean, she was raised and and she was fairly poor and. Yeah, just went to, a, I think Yale is where she went to school. I okay. mean, so the, to the court, she was a, uh, put on the appellate court maybe last year, so fairly short. Okay. Um, but, you know, pretty impressive jurist. How old I, is she? I don't, Do I don't you know? agree with a lot of what, she's, what she believes. I don't know. I would say late 40s. How I mean, old she's is gonna Amy Coney Barrett? I would say about the same. Okay. Yeah, the court, you know, the people that have put on over the last couple of years are going to be on for a long time because they're fairly young. Okay. One of the, the the things that I was paying attention to because the whole transgender thing was it was going to be a topic for this particular justice, and it turned out to be the case. But one of the things that was just so sad, and it's kind of where we are, um, they asked her uh, to define what a woman is. And she said, oh, I, I can't do that. And they said, well, what do you mean? Well, she goes, I don't have a degree in, bi- in biology. <laughs> and that's that's exactly, yeah. I was like, really? This We've come to this. I mean, this is a highly, highly educated woman. Yeah. Ivy League school. Right. And she's willing to say, I can't define what a woman is because I didn't go, I don't have a biology degree. Right. Because she doesn't want to end up in that. Right. Exactly. World, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, yeah. just, it's just unbelievable, really ludicrous. And then, well, then, because what, what made it interesting is that with the whole transgendered movement, if you define yourself as a woman, there's a possibility that you could claim a discrimination case as a woman in the courts. And that's, you know, why they say, well, well I'm not going to talk about that. But yeah, so a person could become transgendered woman, say that they've been discriminated against, and an individual could discriminate against that on religious grounds. You don't, you don't believe that. But then the, the person who's making the claim could say, no, 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 it's not religious. It's because I'm a woman. And the other person would say, well, you're not a woman, you're a male, and this is where we become. Yeah, and then that's discrimination. You got that figured out? Yeah. There kind of, you go. It's confusing. Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Anyway, we caught you up there. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm usually not too uh, hip on the political scene, so that's good to know. 
There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, let's go back to talking about Easter, though, because, or the Triduum specifically, okay. yep, right? Yep, do we have? Um, because the Triduum is upon us. Did you know the word Triduum comes from Latin roots? Yeah. That means essentially a period of three days. Tri means three, ds means days. This refers, of course, to the liturgical season that follows Lent and precedes the Easter season. Well, the Easter Triduum, and there's two U's in Triduum, by the way, is upon us, and I hope you joyfully celebrate these three days with your family and friends. We also invite you to join Franciscan University community, either in person or via live stream. Oh, man, wait a second. No, I totally blew that. I won't start over. I also invite you to join our Franciscan... Wait, I'm going to do it like a man. I invite you to join That's our Franciscan fair. University community, either in person or via live stream. Do you feel lucky? <laughs> We're always happy to welcome parents, alumni, and friends to join us. So many do every year, and that's actually really fun. I'm sure we'll talk about that when the song ends. Uh, the Triduum begins with Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, at 7.30 p.m. Our Good Friday service is at 3. Easter Vigil begins this year at 8.30 p.m. and will be followed by a resurrection party that lasts until it ends. Who knows? Who knows? And our Easter Sunday Mass will be celebrated at 10 a.m. So you can find the live streams for these liturgies on our Franciscan University of Steubenville Facebook page or chapel.franciscan.edu slash live. That's chapel.franciscan.edu slash live. Or live. You could also type in live, and that would work. Both would work. So and it is always amazing to see how many, it's fun, how many folks come in just for the Triduum here at Francisco. Indeed. Did you catch it, though? Easter ends with the beginning of Triduum. I mean, Lent ends with the beginning yes, of Triduum. Yes, yes. That, they got that, they nailed that promo. That's right. That's, that's so right. true. Yeah. Lent ends at Holy Thursday. Right. And then my kids are like, so wait, can we? I'm can like, we have, no. You know, well, a little oh, bit. Hold, the night yeah, you can. I was going to say, Holy Thursday is kind of an interesting evening because it really should be celebrated. I think there is a way that sometimes, uh, you know, Triduum, obviously moving into Good Friday, there's there's a somberness about right. But there should, but Thursday evening really should be celebrated. Yeah, it's a party. You know, we have a really nice meal with the friars, and yeah, there's a lot to be celebrating on Thursday. Yeah, the parish I was at used to do like an ice cream social at yeah, the end of it, yeah, and that's yeah. actually what it's about. Ice cream socials. Ice cream, so well, just celebrating. Oh, okay. I, I mean, see. it doesn't have to be ice okay, cream, okay. you know. But, um, but then Good Friday is a day of very severe fasting. The, the bigger question, and I think we started with this. So, what are you supposed to do on Saturday? Saturday is it's kind of weird, it right? Because you're asking the question. Well, wait, you wouldn't go to a baseball game on Good Friday. Yeah, I probably wouldn't on Good Saturday. But Holy you would. Saturday. You wouldn't on Holy would, Saturday. Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't go any day of the week. So that easy. That's easy that's for easy. me to not answer. Even Easter. Like, see, I want to wait till Easter. That's right. So no, nothing like <laughs> celebrating Easter, like going to a baseball game. Right. But um, it is that little kind of like Saturday, because you want to save something for Easter, right? You don't want to just, so. You, but it is that like, well, it doesn't say it. If, it is a weird day. What, yeah, so, well, just, so what do we do? Just, so tell me, what well, just, do we do just on second, Just the office, the office of readings is really, really cool because basically it says on Saturday morning, it's a weird day. You know, is that right? Yeah, all of the world is silent. It's quiet. Is it's, that the one where it's like Jesus goes down and he gets Adam and Eve? Is that that reading? Yeah, yeah. It's so, so beautiful. Well, first off, which uh, of the Triduum celebrations, Vigil, Friday, Good Friday, Holy Thursday, which do you 
Which is the one you like the most? Um, the I have a special. I would actually have to say Holy Thursday. Okay. I was about to say the Vigil, but it's definitely Holy Thursday. There's a few things about Holy Thursday that are are really wonderful for me. I I shared this story earlier. Whenever we did it, we're in our 77th episode. Hip hip! Hooray! Um, but I'd shared at one point we were talking about the Eucharist and when the Catechism came out in '93, and I was reading about the Eucharist and the Catechism. I had never actually. Nobody ever educated me or catechized me on the real presence of yeah, Christ in yeah, the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. And it was only a few weeks later that a Holy Thursday Mass was happening, which I didn't even know there were Holy Thursday Masses. And so it was in that Eucharistic procession at the end of Mass mm-hmm. and following that into a chapel and just crying, you know, that I was like, you are God. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so that was special for me. And now, you know, being a deacon, um, you know, the the washing of the feet is such a... Um, diaconal mm-hmm. image. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. if you had any image, it would be that. And there's even some movement um, in various, you know, theological circles when it talks about, you know, when was the diaconate instituted? I won't go too long on this. Um, and some people would say, oh, well, it's in Acts, you know, when they call the deacons and, you know, they, they do it. Um, but the deeper reality that some are suggesting, at least in terms of the sacramental call, was... You know, Jesus did two things at the Last Supper that he said you need to do. One was obviously the the Eucharist, but the other was the washing of feet, mm-hmm. you know, and being a servant to others, and that's what you're supposed to do. And so some are arguing that that was part of Holy Thursday as well. Both the diaconate and the priesthood are present there. So because of that, um, both of those moments are very special for me, and I would have to go with um, Holy Thursday. Yeah, it's, Holy Thursday is an interesting liturgy um, because, so I've, I've, as a friar, I don't necessarily get to preach that or, or preside at that all the time. I think I've maybe only, honestly, maybe only done it once or twice, but I have it this Thursday, and it's it's a it's an ob, it's a beautiful liturgy to be able to preside at, but it's also a complicated liturgy. Yeah, you know, the focus is there's two focuses. There's one of as you stated the washing of the feet, and there was actually, if you look at the history of that, there was a time when that was actually discussed whether or not that was sacrament, a sacrament, literally a yeah. sacrament, because. It had such a prominence in, in John's gospel and uh, in, in the Holy Thursday event. Um, but then obviously there's the Eucharist and there's the institution of the Eucharist, which is such a great blessing. And then there's the priesthood. Right. So it's Thursday evening praying through that. And I, and I started praying a couple of days ago just about what to preach about and what sense the Lord wants to say. It's such a rich evening. Right. You, you feel like you could have a seventh inning stretch in the middle of the homily. <laughs> That's what I'm it's saying. Like, That's yeah, what we need to bring uh, in. Part two of the homily. So I... Yeah. I I love I love the actions of the Holy Thursday uh, liturgy. It's just it's really really beautiful, but each one of them is is unique. the The Good Friday was always there's something I don't know there's something about going in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, on a Wednesday we would often do that um, growing up, and we'd also go in the evenings. Wait, the middle of afternoon on 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 Friday. Friday. Oh, right, yeah, okay, right, yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, there's something about the simplicity of it to walk in the church and it's bare the tabernacle's, the tabernacle's open. empty yeah it's crazy you know it's it's interesting yeah just a little bit of a check how genuflection becomes a habit and you notice that on good friday yeah right everybody just comes in the genuflect because it's habitually what you do and that jesus isn't present in there so feel free to judge everybody who does that <laughs> this year right but and make but, sure you don't do it yourself yeah but just that no i mean but just the the I don't know, the emptiness of everything on Good Friday. Yeah. 
What I, I think we mentioned this last year around this time, but somebody pointed out to me that really Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil is like one yeah. liturgy, mm-hmm. you know, like even in the sense that at the Holy Thursday liturgy, you begin, as you begin every Mass, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but there's no um, closing blessing. Good, the Good Friday is a service, you know, and it doesn't begin with the sign of the cross or end with it. And then the Easter Vigil picks up where that left off. So there's a manner in which that it's one huge liturgy, you know, flowing one from the yeah. other, which yeah. is really quite beautiful. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of where like going to a baseball game on Saturday afternoon of Holy Saturday just kind of interrupts. You that feel whole like you're thing. still right, in the middle right, of a liturgy. Right, which is yeah. beautiful, which yeah. is beautiful, you know. So but I, I love the Triduum. I honestly I love the Triduum on campus. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just fantastic. Here's the the question that the people are clamoring to to hear you answer. Oh yes. The exalted. I'm singing it. I'm chanting it. Sorry, yeah, chanting yeah, yeah, it, chanting yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. You did you didn't do it last year, did you? I did. Oh, so you've done um, it before. Okay. I did the short form of okay. it. So this will be my first time as as a deacon. Okay. And my parish is very much into the long form of everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've been practicing that. Oh, you know what I'm doing tonight, which will have been two days ago for those listening on the day this drops. I'm chanting um, the gospel for the oh, chrism for the chrism, for the chrism mass. mass. Oh, great. Have you yeah. ever gone to the chrism mass? I did okay. last year okay, okay. Uh, as part of, you know, the formation and stuff. Oh, that's so great. I got to hold the oils. That's awesome. Yeah. I did. When I was a deacon, I did the exalted and I did it once and. I was so nervous. I mean, because yeah. you know, it's 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 so dramatic. Lights are out. There's one little light on yeah, yeah. you, and yeah. rejoice. And I remember I recorded it with a music minister in my parish, and yeah. I listened to it for like a month ahead every day <laughs> to make sure I got this. But right. I got through it. Yeah, I'm sure you did. And yeah. they never asked you to do it again for some no, reason. No, because it's the mo- movement of the deacon generally. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it we, is a deacony thing. The to guys, do. yeah, do it when you're generally a transitional deacon, and the priest will probably never do it again. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it was great. That is cool. So you'd say Good Friday though of the three. No, I would say. Oh. I don't know. Th- probably Thursday. There's just. Yeah. The, just the images. Yeah, probably Holy Thursday. But we like the Easter Vigil, which is actually the highest. But we're, of all so we're, the holy we're saving days. that till the next one. We're going to talk about podcast. Easter for the next yeah, podcast, yeah, to that, be sure. That, that's our thought there. But yeah. really, do encourage people. One of the things that that I told the students on Sunday, the Palm Sunday Mass, is is to stay where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You know that there's a temptation that with with all that needs to be done and getting ready for Easter and all that, that we just kind of jump to Easter and. Just stop. I realize that people's lives are busy, and, yeah. and you can't just stop being a parent and stuff. Right. But to the best that you can, just stop. Don't go to the end of the story. Just be where Jesus is, and, and, and you really encounter that. Yeah, amen. You know, it's funny. When you asked about what, what do you do on Holy Saturday, would you go to a baseball game? I actually was thinking more of, you know, and those of you at home with kids and stuff. I mean, they usually get off on Wednesday, so they're home all day Thursday. And I— I try so hard, and I think we do pretty well, to make Friday a day of fasting, no media, or at least I think we kind of at least waited like 12 to 3, no media. You know, mm-hmm. like there's things you're you're trying to do. But by the time you get to Saturday and you've got littler kids, they want to go to the movies, they want to do so, they want to watch TV, and you're feeling like, well, I can't inflict my spirituality mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. you per se because you're eight, you know, and you're just, and I and I want to make sure that, you know, I think it's always that, challenge as a parent that you want to make something spiritual for your kids, but you're doing it with a sensitivity to what they can take. 
you know, like, so for me, I would be happy to spend three days in quiet and in prayer. And I, and I try to as much as I can, but you know, then your kid wants, you know, if it's a beautiful day, go oh, to sure, the park sure. and, you know, do things like that. And so that's even part of what I try to offering. Yeah. I don't even want to say offered up because that sounds like it's a sacrifice, but yeah, you know, those kinds yeah. of things of, well, what can I do that's joyful with my kids? Cause I want to have Easter Sunday be a, family celebration, Easter egg, meal, friends coming over. So like sometimes I'll go to a movie on on Saturday matinee with my younger kids, mm-hmm. you know, just because, and that is a penance for me, depending on the movie. I'll probably go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Ooh. Well, I like awesome. Sonic no, the Hedgehog 1. Great. No, yeah. why wouldn't, why wouldn't you go There's to also that? a movie called The Bad Guys, which we've been reading the books with. It's like about like a wolf and a shark, and they're like bad animals, but then they try to be good guys. Good. That's what we like. Conversion's always possible. It's about conversion. I mean, there's nothing more Easter than that. Even for sharks. Even for sharks. And and a piranha. I can't wait to hear how that one turns out. Yes, I'll let you know. Thank you. Let's talk about love. All right. What's love got to do with it? Mm. What was the Foreigner song that they used to play with the old Jesus of Nazareth thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, no. Oh, it's going to bug me. It was like such a cheesy thing to do, but they would show the crucifixion scene from Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. This is before the Passion, and it really makes it look like nothing happened. Yeah. Like basically, that Jesus gets slapped, and he's like, ow. Um, and oh, I know what it is. I want to know what love is. Yeah. Is that And Porter? they would time it, yeah, yeah, like that big crescendo of like, and then like Jesus being lifted on the cross. I want to know what love is. And of course, all of us '80s kids are like crying and giving, so giving our life to yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want you to show me. <clears throat> so I, I want I you to I want yeah, you I to show us. I don't know. I want why, you to tell I'm us. I'm not sure why people would say that your voice sounds like a woman. It just doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. What's love got to <laughs> but do? Yeah. So well, this is. In it, it seems to be fitting as we're coming into Irish tenor, the tradition. Irish tenor, and to, there you go. And to Easter, our final. A virtue that I look at is charity and love. And as we've talked a couple of times, the last three virtues that we're focusing on are the theological virtues that are given to us through grace. It's not something, and, and it would be nice if we could, we could just make up our mind we're going to love better and we could be able to love better, but there's a grace to it. This particular virtue uh, allows us to fulfill the great command, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. Yeah, it's, it's worthy of meditation on what that would look like. You know, if I could really love the Lord with all of my mind or all of my heart, what does that look like? How is that different? And then, and, and it's not just that, it's the ability to love our neighbors as ourself and, and to be able to love as the Lord loves. Uh, the catechism references are 1822 nice. to 18, just opening up my catechism. Yep, 1829. Uh, the, the thing that, in I, I did a little reflection for the student body and for the <clears throat> excuse me, the university community, and I start with that song by What's Love Got to Do With It? Who was it the same at? Tina Turner. Tina Turner. And and then my the, ultimately the the answer is everything, right? It's got yeah. everything to do with it. And, and love is really, the virtue of love is really what holds the rest of the virtues together and gives them purpose and, and meaning and makes them concrete. But the, the reality is, is it's also the most difficult uh, on one level because we talk a lot about love and we hear the word about love you just saying about it. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean? And, and that's what the scriptures and the in the catechism really invite us to is that love does have a meaning. It's not just I love whatever, right? Is right. is that we love one another as the Lord has loved us. We take a look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians that 
of his patient and his kind. His gen- so all of that. And we can't simply do that. We can't just make up our mind to do that. We need to be able to go before the Lord and continually, especially in this time of Holy Week, that that the greatest act of love that we're going to witness and reflect on is is taking over those three days, right? O- yep. o- over the offering of himself. I shared this week at, that for St. Francis, the, the crucifixion just made no sense. He speaks about the humility of God and and that in that single act of love that he does uh, out of love for us, it, it ought to challenge the way we love. It ought to challenge the way that we treat you. You treat your kids, your spouse, or I treat the friars, or I speak about the friars, or, or how we serve the kids. It's got to be that thing that is constantly forefront in our mind. That ultimately, when it's all said and done, that's what I'm going to go before the Lord. He's not going to ask me about degrees, right? About necessarily decisions I made as an administrator. You know, did I love? Did I do the best that I could to love? To love Him, to love others, to love myself, and, and this is this is the, the, what the Easter message is all about. I loved. Um, you loved. loved I did. Entry. I did. Uh, one of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis is called The Four Loves. Mm. Have you read that book? Mm, I think I did. In, back in college, back in the yeah, day, yeah, yeah. It, it's what was very eye-opening for me <clears throat> was to understand how um, the English language is one of the few. Languages that only has one word for love, or at least our vocabulary-wise, our word love encompasses a lot of things. Um, whereas in the Greek, which is what the scriptures were written in, there were four different words for love. And, and he goes through each of these, and one is a love, I might get the Greek wrong, storge, it's a, it's a kind of friendship, you know. Um, there is a filio Love, uh, you know, it's actually where we get the, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That's actually a translation of the title of it. There's a brotherly love. There's an eros, which is a love between usually a husband and wife, but that's where we get also the word erotic, you know, from. And then there's agape, which is the type of love that Jesus spoke of in the scriptures when he said, greater love has none than this. When he said, love one another as I have loved you. It was always intentionally using that word, agape, that was present. And the agape love of Greek is a complete self-sacrificial type of love. And it was helpful for me because we do use the word love a lot, and that's okay. That's just part of our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And so I say I would love Red Robin hamburgers, and I do. I love Red Robin hamburgers. And I'd say I love my wife, and I do. I love my wife. And I don't mean the same thing when I say those words. You know, but I'm using the same word. And so um, I think that sometimes the confusion even in our society, I mean, sometimes people will say love is love, and that doesn't actually make sense in that real sense of that you didn't, you can't define a word by its word itself. Sure. Um, or, or all love is equal? Yeah, of course there's not. It's it, not. It's absolutely it's not true. Not. And that's just, and that's not like slamming any agenda. That's just nonsense. It's like, no, the love I have for my wife and my kids is different than the love I might have for a good friend or the love I would have for something, right. you know, that, that's present. And so I find those articulations, you know, it's interesting when you read the end of the Gospel of John and that conversation between Jesus and uh, Peter, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? And Jesus says, agape. And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. I mean, he actually downgrades the love because he knows he didn't sacrifice himself for it. I just think there's so much beauty there. And I like we started, you know, even just saying the word charity. I think the word charity is really helpful because Mm -hmm. it, for me, it at least jars me out of a purely emotional 
I like this, you know, which I think our culture usually drives us to the word love. And I think when I often use the word love, I love Star Wars. I love, you know, Marvel sure, movies. Sure, sure. I love sure. bacon. I'm not, I'm rarely using the agape love right. language at right, least. Right. So, yeah. And, and again, that helps us a little with a little bit of focus. Yeah. And, and that well, we use this in some ways, we do the same thing with hope. Mm. I hope you're feeling better. Is that really what my hope? No, I want you to feel. I pray so, but but the the other is that language is important and the words that are important. You know, there's the the line that says all social engineering is preceded by verbal engineering. So if we can, if we can buy into that argument that all love is the same, or all love is equal, or love is love, then it does for those who want to make love an activist. You know, something that sure. that they want to use against the church or against people that believe that, that actually there is a difference in those things, then they have the ability to do that. And I think that's what we get in Good Friday, which is we can say, you know, your friend loves you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. And your puppy loves you. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And Jesus loves you. Oh, that's nice. That's right. Yeah. And yet on Good Friday, we really see what love is, yeah. you know, and nobody loves you. Yeah. No, yeah, like yeah, yeah. No greater love than this. Right. It was interesting. Just r- real quickly before we, we close, and um, I was talking when I was talking with Jordan Peterson. He didn't know the story of Maximilian Kolbe, hmm. and it was really cool to be able to talk to somebody who didn't know that st- <clears throat> that story because it's all over our world in the world that you and I live in. Right. But just all right. And maybe the, briefly, there's a podcast listener who doesn't. Can you hit it quickly? The story of Maximilian Kolbe. Well, yeah, he yeah he's in Auschwitz, and many people escaped, and so they gathered up, I believe, 10 people that were going to kill them. And one of them said, you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband. And Maximilian Colby steps up and he says, I'll die in his place. They ask him, who are you? He said, I'm a Catholic priest. But that that willingness and that choice to die for another. Yeah. You know, so literally when the Lord says, love one another as I have loved you, Maximilian Colby did this, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we're all called to die to ourselves for our brothers and our sisters. It's part of the Christian life. To be able to love like he loved is that agape. There has to be a sacrificial nature of it. It just, and that's one of the things that I think our culture fundamentally misses is the sacrificial nature that goes with love. Yeah. But the the Easter story, right? The the Good Friday story reminds us no greater love than this. Um, yeah. Uh, and that he proves his love for us yeah, that and while, that while that we were still, still sinners. Ma- died um, for us. Father Cantal Mesa says, narrow down the word. If you took all the scriptures and had to just settle on three words, it is God is love, right? Mm-hmm. That, that it reveals to us who God is. It reveals to us what love is. So, as yeah, it, it's it's been good for me personally to reflect on the virtues over the last seven weeks. I hope that just in a little thing that, that it's been helpful. One of the things that we try to do is, is make this concrete, that it's mm-hmm. not just an idea, it's not a philosophy, it's not theology, but it's a lived experience. So my prayer for everyone this week is that, A, you know that you are loved more, uh, that you'd experience in, like when you walk through the Triduum, when you walk through a Thursday evening with the Lord and walk through Good Friday, and you'd know you're loved and that there's no greater love than this. And know that uh, that, that love is to be lived. It's to be experienced and not just to be talked about. So we pray for that as we draw into this time of Holy Week and Triduum, that you'd experience the love of the Lord and draw closer to him in his sacred heart. Amen. 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 Is that our blessing? It is. May the Lord pour out his blessings on you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 The Masters Tournament was this week. We forgot to mention it. So the Masters Tournament was Somebody great. won. Yeah. It was great. Scotty Sheffley. All right. Congratulations, Scotty, and all of you listening at home. Uh, you can send us an email, hope at franciscan.edu. God bless.
that podcast. Amen. I liked it. 